This is The Bull, The Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial Group. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish, how they're bearish, and the chairs they cherish. I'm Michael Binger, president of Gradient Investments, a Minnesota-based investment management company with more than $4 billion in assets under management. And we serve advisors and their clients across the country. And I'll be on the podcast today to talk to the guys about where the economy and markets are heading, some history on Gradient Investments, and perhaps some local flavor on Minnesota Lake Life. So with that, let's get started. Here we go. Welcome, Bull, Bear, and my brother's chair fans back to the show. Brian Lucius and Nate Lucius. On a gorgeous summer day, Nate, what's happening today? Well, I'm excited about our guest today. Who do we got? Uh, we have the one and only Mr. Michael Binger. The Michael Binger? Uh, yep, president of Gradient Investments, and uh, they had a big milestone recently, so I invited Mike on the show. They did. Talk a little about what he sees as advisors, business owners being successful. Of course, a little stock market. What are we? Uh, what do we got after all these record highs? A little stimulus economy, and so we'll kind of touch a lot of bases, and I might even ask him about his... Uh, recent boat purchase and kind of oh. as an amateur boater, kind of how that's going. So they we're going to cover a lot of ground with Mike. You haven't lived until you've docked a large boat in a crosswind. Yes, <laughs> correct. And it's just you and the boat and it becomes a different experience than out there frolicking in the water. You're, you're trying to get that thing in there. You're it's yelling not at easy. your kids to sit down. Yes. So anyway, we're going to have Mike on the show. Nice. Um, but let's start with before on... Uh, we're going to make an all bullish show. I'm bullish on this one. And Brian and I were talking the other day about, you know, as people get out and they're traveling again and they're, they're starting to do things with friends and family is uh, the, the bucket list came up. And I'm not sure that I have like a bucket list written on my wall that I check off. I don't, but I should. But I have a few things that I'd like to do. So we're going to talk about bucket list items. Okay. Okay. All right. So let me start with one. All right. Okay. You go first. Um. I'm not the most daring person in the world, but I do like adventure, right? I, yeah. I like roller coasters. I, if somebody's like, hey, you want to go do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I don't really have to plan things out. Yep. So one of the things on my list is skydiving. I don't know about that. So I would like <clears throat> to go skydiving, and I just, I, I feel like there probably isn't a bigger rush than when you're standing on the edge of that plane at 8,000 feet or however far you jump off, and then you jump. I gotta. I gotta. I bet there's three seconds of sheer terror, and then it becomes like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'd be good with like the ride over to the airport, and then when you started to put the suit on, and they started to strap the the parachute on before that, (laughs) like the ride up. I'm thinking like I don't feel good. Yeah, like I'm gonna puke. You standing at the edge. That would be a. I think there's three seconds of just sheer death when you you jump out, (laughs) and then once you. Whatever the, you catch your max speed, right? And you're just floating down. Terminal velocity. Terminal velocity. <laughs> um, that I think it'd be a blast. And I don't have it planned. I could find somebody to go. I kind of want to jump by myself, but I think you got to be like certified to do that. Yeah. You're so I'm not going to do that. Someone probably strapped your back. I do remember, and this isn't skydiving, but I was probably 12, 13, 14. And you know what was big in about 92, 93-ish? Bon Jovi. <laughs> and bungee know. jumping. Okay. Bungee jumping was all the rage back then. I don't know if that's what the kids say still, but yep. all the rage. It was sick, as they say. 
So we as a family, and you were there, you were little. Well, <clears throat> I, I bungee jumped one time, but it wasn't there. Where was that? Lake Tahoe? I, I was old enough to do it. I, I think was Tahoe on the side of the It was the there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. So I, I was 10 or something. Pre that, we were driving through South Dakota with our family, and I was young, but all bungee jump had was a weight restriction. And luckily, as a heavy youth, <laughs> as a full size qualified youth. for the weight restriction. And I remember doing this off a crane, and I don't remember like I blacked out, and I don't really remember the falling part of it. It yep. was it was intense. So I would imagine skydiving would be similar. Anyway, that's that's on my <clears> list. What about you? I've got a couple things. All right, I've got one. I've never been, and I want to go, and I'm not a huge fan, but I want to go to a NASCAR race. I would go. I feel like a NASCAR race. I want to be in the infield, yep. like in the pit, whole thing. Uh, second, I've got the Kentucky Derby. Just on, on NASCAR, I need a guy to kind of like tell yeah, me yeah. what to do. Yeah, this like, is like a package road thing. 97 <clears throat> seat four. I don't totally. want that. These are like packages that like yeah. take me through and show me and what I should do. Show yeah. you the thing. Uh, Kentucky Derby. That'd be fun. And then my last one, which tentatively is on my schedule, is you heard of Mount Everest? Uh, I have. Okay, well, I'm way too out of shape to make it to the top of that. <laughs> but there is a hike that takes about a two-week to base camp, which is where the real people go up. Yep. I'm going to do that hike go in down. a couple of years. Yes. Okay. And that's, I, I have one last one, and the only reason I say it is because maybe there's somebody out there listening that can help me get this done. What? Because I don't currently have a way to do it. I want to play at Augusta. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so if there's anybody listening that can help me to do that... I'm your guy. Okay, it's a tough one to get done. Might have better out very climb difficult. Everest. Yeah, I might as well try and scale Everest. But, but I would love to do that if anybody can help me. I tell you what, first two people that email in off the website bullbearchair.com or find me on LinkedIn and send me first two people that send me two or three things on their bucket list. I got swag. I got right. coffee mugs and T-shirts for yep. you. Yep, send it to one of us and we'll shoot you something in the mail. Perfect. So perfect. Well, I will get on out of here, let you interview Mr. Michael Binger here, and we'll take it from All there. All right. Well, welcome, Mike. All right. Well, welcome my guest, Mr. Michael Binger. Those of you that don't know Mike, Mike is the president of Gradient Investments, and we'll talk a little about Gradient Investments, but uh, it's our asset management business. So I'll let Mike kind of share about what they do and what they manage. But if you don't know Mike, he is featured on CNBC, Fox Business, and he's been on tons and tons of national uh, media outlets. So with that, Mike, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. This is your first uh, your first time in the bull bear chair seat. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And I, I got to tell you, I feel real honored to be here. So, probably, yeah. You probably got your yeah. invite, what, a year or two ago, something like that? Well, uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was not quite a year ago. And uh, let's say it was uh, more than an hour ago. Okay, so yeah, all right, all right. yeah, Somewhere yeah we're in the middle. <laughs> yep. So Mike, why don't, uh, first off, why don't you tell us, uh, I think Gradient Investments has had a pretty good run here. So what, why don't you tell us the recent milestone that, that Gradient Investments has passed? Yeah, I got it. I, I just want to give you a little backdrop, maybe some of the, sure. the past milestones, and that'll put it in context to some of the current milestones. So in the past, when I first started here a little bit over nine years ago, we used to measure milestones in every 100 million in AUM, which stands for assets under management, which is really the amount of client assets that we provide wealth management and portfolio services yep. for. So it was exciting. We would go from 200 million to 300 million and 400 and, uh, you, you know, all that success was great. 
Uh, recently, we just hit another milestone here. We hit a milestone of four billion with a B in assets under management. Four billion. Yeah. That's custom sound right there, Mike. Wow. I'm controlling that. Wow, I love that. I wasn't expecting that, but uh, <laughs> that's great, and I think it's worthy. You know, I, I it, it, it's just uh, we're, we're starting to measure instead of in hundreds of millions, we're now measuring our milestones in in, in billion dollar increments, and we just hit four, and it only took us seven months to move from three billion to four billion. Yeah. So it's very exciting. There's Good. a lot of momentum, and we're real happy with the way things are going. Good. So on the show today, I figured we'd talk a little bit about the stock market and kind of what's going on out there. And then we'll transition a little bit and talk about you're fortunate to be out in our advisors' offices and uh, with their clients, in their client events, and what successful advisors are doing. So kind of two parts. We'll talk market. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, a little more business oriented. So why don't you give a little bit of your background? Uh, you said you've been here for nine years. Prior to Gradient, you know, what did you do? And then that kind of that transition over to what was possibly a smaller AUM group at the time. Uh, that it was, <laughs> yes. So my career, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm really dating myself here a little <laughs> bit, but uh, I started out my career in 1987 at a, it, it was it was a Fortune 500 company back at that time. It was called Lutheran Brotherhood Financial Services. Uh, I started out as just an entry-level equity analyst in, in their investment department. And that was great. And I gradually went through there. I took what's called a CFA test, Chartered yep. Financial Analyst Test. It's really, you know, the gold standard for testing and, and, and licenses in the investment management industry. Worked my way over the years and the decades there and spent 22 years as, a, as an analyst and a portfolio manager on the stock side. Uh, managing everything from small cap growth to you know large cap core and large cap growth stocks, and and it was uh, it, it was a great career. I loved it there. I spent 22 years there. It was a lot of fun, um, but it was a big company, and you were one of 2,000 home office employees, and you were also one of if you included their field force, it, it ballooned up to 5,000 employees. And, and in the interim there, uh, Lutheran Brotherhood turned into Thrivent Financial for Lutheran. It's probably a name that's much more familiar to right. other people. Good. Well, yeah. So you came here nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you recall what Gradient Investments had at the time you started? How much in assets? I, I, I absolutely recall. <laughs> it was, uh, Burned in my it mind. Was, yeah. Uh, I came here and it was $200 million Right. assets. And I had just come from a firm where I was managing an investment portfolio that was about two and a half billion at the time. Right. So it was really, you know, going from a large company to a small company. Yeah. And what did you find uh, as the biggest transition point when we talk uh, about what the difference is? Yeah. Well, the, the, some of the bigger differences are, you know, as, I, as I came here, is it, this was really my chance to and opportunity to help grow something from small to big. You know, when I started at, at, at Lutheran Brotherhood slash Thrivent, it was already a big company. Right. So, so you really weren't involved in any of the growth, in, growth initiatives, things like that. You were just picking stocks and making decisions like, well, should we buy Intel or Texas Instruments or General Mills or, or Kraft Heinz? Things like that. Right. It, it was pure management. But at, at Great Investments, you not only manage the product, but you also help sell and push and, and and convince people to invest in the product too. So you're heavily involved in marketing and, and, and growing the business. And 
that was a big difference for me, and, and it was really a lot of fun, and it was something that I feel like like I've thrived at. And, right. and, and you were involved in the in the sure, early days of great investments, yeah. and, and it was a lot of fun back then. So let's talk a little bit about what you do quickly to help advisors. I mentioned earlier you've been a part of hundreds of client events, mm-hmm. or you know, whether it's Zoom or in person. What do you think, and not just specific to financial advisors, that business owners, people that do a good job interacting with their clients, right? Now, I'm not talking about selling, but I'm talking about you've got a big client base. What do you do and, and how do you help them with that process? Yeah, yeah. So let's, let, let, you know, we deal with roughly 300 financial advisors around the country. Um, probably the average financial advisor has, let's say, 20 to $25 million of assets under management. Yep. Which means they have probably 100 to 200 individual clients. So the big part of the asset management business is not only finding new clients and gathering new assets, but also keeping the ones that you have. Right. You know, that, that, that's, that's so critical. And, and I think that's, that's an area of the business that I think a lot of people forget is, you know, we get so caught up in going out and, and acquiring new clients that we forget about the ones that we have right. that, that brought us to the table to where we were. And so I see successful advisors paying a lot of attention to that group, uh, you know, through things that they have small events, they have big events, client events, uh, you know, at Great Investments, we try and help them and establish credibility. I, I'll go and travel to, to our advisors' client events. Um, it, it could be anywhere from a 25-person brewery trip or winery visit, or it could be a huge Christmas party where there's 300 people. But I'll go there, and, and, and I'll mix and mingle with the clients and talk to them. I'll present. I'll give a you know, state of the state or a forecast. But what it really does is it builds up a rapport and a relationship with those with those clients there, and that goes a long way. I just can't tell you how far that goes. It's money well spent. Yeah, I think that's good. And I'm not sure if it's a fact or not, but I believe the one reason people lose clients, frankly, in a lot of businesses, is not because you know returns are returns. Mm-hmm. Some quarters you do great, some quarters not as good. It's you can always find something better in any given period of time. However, people leave, in my opinion, because. Think about how many clients you talk to on the phone. They say, well, tell me oh. about your old advisor. Well, I haven't really talked to him in two years. Yep. The the, the number one reason by far, I, in, intuitively, we would think clients would switch because they're dissatisfied with performance. Right. But the reality of the situation is, is that if you're not a very large client, say you have 10 million or more with an advisor, you may get lost in this shuffle. And you don't feel good about that. So right. the number one reason we see clients switching to our, us is because they just don't get called on a regular basis by their financial advisor. They feel like they don't care about them, that they, I, I, there's a term I like to use, like their advisor filled and killed them and just moved on. Right. I agree. So let's talk, uh, as you talk about client events, have you done any in-person client events yet since post? <laughs> in, in, in the past nine years, yeah, you know, I've never really sat back and thought about how many I've done. But, but I would say I've done, let's say, on average, eight to 10 a year over okay. nine years. I mean, it could be anywhere from 75 to 100, 100. client events H- Have over you time. done any post-Rona here yet? or I have not. Okay. We, are, we are starting it up in August. Good. And, and, and we've also expanded where my team of investment and portfolio yep. managers are starting. They, they also do a lot of client events. Right. So big part of our process and the way we help advisors is by doing client events with them. So when you do go out to the client events, let's assume you had one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the market a little bit. You're standing there, you're talking to a broad based audience like we're on the show here today, mm-hmm. talking to 
either tens or millions of people. We'll see how, how many tune in, Mike. <laughs> but what are you, what's your overall market? What do you see out there? What's going on in the stock market, bond market? What do you think? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that changes all the time. But let, let's talk about today. I, I, I mean, you know, what we're looking at right now is we're looking at a, a market that's hitting new highs. Yep. But I tell people all the time, look, our inclinations are always to be afraid of new highs. But we shouldn't be because the market has been hitting new highs for 200 years since I started mm-hmm. recording it. So what I like to do is I just like to do a simple, you, you know, scales of justice almost where, where you look at the positives and you look at the concerns and you kind of balance them out a little bit and, and, and see where things fall. So when I look at what are the positives in the stock market right now, I really look at three things. I look at how's the economy doing? How are the companies that we invest in? How are they doing as far as profits and losses? And then what's valuation? So when I look at those three things, I, I really think we have an economy that's a coiled spring right now. I, I, I mean, I see it from a grassroots level when I go out, and the numbers are starting to show, you know starting to show through. I mean, we look at GDP, we look at unemployment rates, we look at uh, you know business services and, and how things are doing in manufacturing indexes, and they're all doing very well, and they're surprising to the upside. So all these economic forecasts are doing very well, and, and they're moving up. And this economy feels like a coiled spring that's going to snap back and snap back hard. So, so the economy, I would put a plus on. Um, at the end of the day, we invest in companies. And companies' profits are doing very well on a year-over-year basis. In fact, they're actually moving higher than people think they are. So corporate profits, I put as a plus. And then valuation, I can't sit here, Nate, and tell you that stocks are cheap right, right. now. Because they're not. They're not mm-hmm. But... With the strength of the economy and how earnings are growing, uh, you know, I think a higher valuation is warranted. So I see, you know, I see two positives and one neutral, and to me, that's a positive backdrop for stocks. All right. What? Why do you think? A little off topic here, mm-hmm. but you and I both own a boat. Is that do. a fact? That that is a fact. Okay. Yes. Why do you believe that things like boats and cars? There's all this chip stuff going on, but mm-hmm. boats and cars and housing. It's crazy expensive right now. It's hard to buy. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think for one thing that uh, money's cheap. Yep. Okay. So people can take loans out at low interest rates. But it's been uh, cheap for a while, right? It, it, I mean, it, it, it has been. But I think what, what Rona did is it, it shifted the way people spent. Right. Instead of going to stores or restaurants, all of a sudden, they had to find new ways to entertain themselves. Vacations, yeah, yeah. And, and and that included things like remodeling your house. They said, "Well, right. we're going to spend a lot of time in the house. We want to make it nice, <laughs> right?" So you, you you saw some industries and sectors in the economy during the past year when we were hit with the coronavirus that some did poorly, but right. some did really well. I, I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's just thrived, and Amazon did great, and people built their houses. But they also wanted to spend time outside, and you're just not going to go outside and sit on a bench. I mean, you want, you want a boat <laughs> and you want to upgrade pit. your car and you want to get outdoor furniture and all those things. Yep. So people just shifted the way they entertain themselves and the way they spent their money. How, uh, how are you doing driving your boat, Mike? Are you kind of got it figured out or any big let's, issues? Let's, so I'm newer to the boating, yeah, uh, to yeah. the boating experience. Uh, I'll just tell you, I, I have what's called a tri-tune and it's a right. long one. It's 27 feet. <laughs> Um, 
and that and I just picked it up this spring. And right. when we picked it up, my wife and I and my son went out there. We picked it up, and it was, it was probably fifty degrees outside. It was very windy, <laughs> and it was a real challenge just to get it from the marina back to our boat lift and dock. Yep, we, we made it on about the fourth try. Finally That's got good. it in there and up. Um, but I, I, I'm getting there. I good. feel by the end of the summer. Try tunes yeah. are not very aerodynamic. No, when the wind no, comes a little up. wind and they blow all over. How are you doing with your boat? Uh, by you the know, way? I'm pre- pretty good. I feel like I'm. I don't know if veteran's the right term, but I used to own a boat with my brother, and yeah. uh, my dad's and has owned boats. So I, yeah. I feel like pretty good. I've had no major uh, issues that yeah. I can uh, talk about. I'm, I'm going to tell you when you you stopped by just last week. Yes, I did. And I'll tell you, you glided that that you know. Yeah. Kind of got bigger her, than average size boat got right her up to the dock, two feet and, away, yeah, and just yeah, let it float yeah, in. But anyway, little, I, yeah. I, I digress. We digress. Let's get back. Um, so stock market, we talked a little bit about. Yep. You talked about areas for concern. In your opinion, what potentially derails the stock market? Not not long term, but what like we saw not last March that was a little excessive. But what brings it back ten or fifteen or twenty percent? Okay, I think there's there's two things that could that, that could derail this thing. The first is is a fairly obvious one, um, is, is that we go backwards on coronavirus right. cases. Um, not enough of the population gets vaccinated, and all of a sudden our shores some new variant shows up, and yep. we need to shut things down again. That's fairly obvious. Um, but I feel pretty good about that because we we do have a higher percentage of vaccinations in this country than versus the right. world. Uh, secondly, and, and this is starting to get a lot of press, I talked about all this pent-up demand, this coiled spring economy. Uh, costs are rising. Inflation, Inflation Mike. is yes. everywhere. Um, it's not showing up in the core numbers, but I'll tell you, the last reading was a 5% inflation number on a year-over-year basis. We haven't right. seen that in probably 15 years. And the reason folks are afraid of inflation is it raises prices, and the Fed the Federal Reserve Bank has to battle inflation to keep it under control. And the only way they do that is they raise interest rates. And yep. there's one thing the stock market doesn't like is an environment where inflation is rising and the Fed has to raise interest rates to combat that. Okay. That's my number one concern. And do you believe prices are inflated because of the stimulus? I do. Okay. I figured <laughs> I, you did, but I just want to check. I, I, I do. It, it's not, it, it, it's not everything. I, I yep. mean, stimulus isn't completely to blame. Um, just the fact that people shifted spending, and when and when you shift spending, companies have to ship, you know, shift production to right. meet that. And it's shifting production is a lot harder than to shift demand. Um, so it's a combination of things. It's it's all this pent up demand hitting the market. Uh, it's a lot of new money. I, I mean, we had PPP loans, and we have a, you know enhanced unemployment benefits, and all this different stimulus, and, and we saw roughly four to five trillion dollars of it. So that's yep. that that's a that's a big number. Uh what that really means on a simplistic level is it means a lot more money chasing the same amount of goods and services, which leads to inflation. Or potentially less goods and services. It seems potentially like potentially less uh, as people uh, are ramping up from shutdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So um if you look at companies today, there I believe over the last you know year since we've mm-hmm. dealt with Corona and all this stuff, there's either companies that have been born right? Out of necessity or opportunity, or there's companies that have thrived. And there's certainly ones you talked about that have not done so well. But do you believe that, let's say three years from now, five years from now, that the period we've gone through and we're still kind of in the the ninth inning here will fundamentally change like the way business is done, the way that uh, stocks and just the, the course of business is that it's fundamentally changed 
how businesses operate and in turn the stock market? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say it accelerated some trends that were already in yep. place. I, I mean, we're already we're already shifting from, you know, going to the store to buy things right. to ordering them on Amazon. Yep. That just got accelerated. Uh, I, I, I think even at our workplace here at Gradient, oh, sure. we, we, we've seen big changes. I mean, if we had a couple of years ago, if we said, you know what, we're going to uh, we're going to have half our home. folks working from home and all that. I mean, that was just a non-starter. Yeah. But we were really forced into that, you know, some decisions that were made. And and, and surprisingly, it was a record year in almost every company at Gradient right. Financial Group. Right. And, and we found out that we can be flexible and, and, and we can do these things and we can yep. still have record years and be productive yeah, and things and like frankly, that. Yeah, and frankly, I think even here, I mean, three years ago, I told the story, I think, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we invested in a bunch of Microsoft and Teams and all this stuff, you know, everybody two years ago thought, well, why do we need this new instant message system? And you fast forward and like, you know, we use Microsoft Teams. It's yeah. like how you communicate with people, video calls, yeah. meetings. It's just, and for us, I don't think three years ago it would have looked so pretty if we no. just said, all right, everybody's got to go home, uh, you know, on, on March. So anyway, yeah. I would agree with you. It's accelerated and then it's made people do different things. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, if you could give some general, if we're not here to give stock picks, remember, Mike, this mm-hmm. isn't the yeah, forum. No, no, we're not, no. But, but if you want them, I have plenty of them. I'm but, sure well, you yeah, do. Well, you can yeah. do that off. You yeah. can contact Gradient Investments for <laughs> yeah. that. What do you think sectors, going forward on the last mm-hmm. question I ask, what sectors do you guys and your team like or favor versus ones you don't? Yeah, yeah. So the past couple of years, it's really been what what's called a growth stock market. Right. So, and it's been technology company driven, especially as the economy contracted and, and, and was shut down. Corporations and consumers had to find ways to be more productive and, and, and shift. So they did all this cloud-based software spending and technology. There's a lot of money spent there, yep. growth stocks. Um, as things are reopening and, and folks are getting out again and all that, it's really what's called a more cyclical or value-based. There's been a, what's called a rotation out of growth stocks and into value stocks, which in my opinion is good because you what you have broader participation in the stock market, yep. which tends to elevate the stock market. Um, so, and I think that this value stock um, bent is going to continue for a while. I think rotation is going to happen some more. Um, so that's how we're postured right now. Good. Mm-hmm. What, uh, quickly, I'd like your one or two minute comments. We talked about interest rates and how low they are, but, uh, you know, bonds, it, it's probably hard to make an argument right now that the bond asset class is a, you know, two, three, 4% type thing. So what are people using bonds for today? What, what do you think about that? So let, let's, let's think a little bit about what, what you get when you invest in a bond today. Yep. You're committing, you, you, what you're getting is you're getting probably a pretty low interest rate or coupon rate right. at this point in time. And if interest rates rise in the future, which we think there's a pretty good chance they will, your bond prices are going to go down. So I think you're committing yourself to really a neutral or maybe even a negative return environment yep. for the next few years. Um, but people own bonds to you know, diversify their portfolio, but more to protect and hedge against the stock market correction. Right. So if we see a 20% stock market correction, and, we, and those happen, I mean, it's yep. just inevitable, the 2% you lose in bonds seems pretty good at that That's point correct. in time. Yeah. So it still has a place, but I think there's some viable alternatives to bonds yep. to protect and hedge yourself these days. 
Let's talk real quick about two more minutes about mm-hmm. the buffered. So in our industry, this is more of an industry thing. Mm-hmm. The term buffered has become a real thing. And I think that's because of the things we talked about, which is low interest rates, right? You right. can't go buy a 4% CD. Yep. Stock market's high. It, and it, it could be a ETF. It could be a note. There's a bunch of ways, an annuity to get buffered. But what does a buffered strategy in yep. general look like? And why is that becoming so much more prevalent? Yep. So from a higher level, a, a, a buffered index strategy it provides investors with the opportunity to participate on the upside if markets go up. It gives them a certain level of protection if markets go down. Yep. And the combination of those things really resonates these days. You right. Know, you know, folks are a little bit, I, I, I mean, I, I told you valuations were a little high. Yep. So, so people are concerned about that. Uh, we know that long term over, you know, 20 years that things are going to work out, but not everyone has 20 years. So if I told you, Nate, I said, look, Nate, you you know, this product, this investment product has a cap and a buffer, Uh, a cap. If you could get a cap of say 15% for the next 18 months, would that be an adequate return for you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Most folks would be happy with that type of return in 18 months. And if I also told you that you could, you could have a buffer on that product where if the market is down anywhere from zero to 15%, that you're down zero. Well, yep. How would you feel about that? Generally okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then after that, if the markets are down aggressively, say they're down 25%, which is a pretty rare occurrence, you're only going to be down 10%. Yep. I, I, to me, it's it, it's a win on the upside because you participate in the upside. It's a real win if you're in that buffer zone, the zero to, in this example, negative 15%, yep. uh, where you're at zero. And in, in aggressive downturns, it's another win because yep. you're you're down a lot less than what the market's down. Yeah, and like I said, you know, you, there's ETFs, there's notes, yeah. there's annuities, yeah. there's all kinds of things. But this term buffered, if you're not familiar as a consumer, as an advisor, I, I think over the next five years, we're going to see incredible growth yeah. in that whole yeah. and, and a lot of yeah. changes in the buffer it, it, space. It's, it's clearly our fastest growing product right now and, and advisors love yep. it for their clients and it's really resonating with their client base. Good. Uh, Mike, anything, uh, I don't know, fun, exciting? Um, what else you got for us that's maybe not financial related? We talked to boats already, so that's kind of past we, us. We uh, have. You know, we're, uh, we're we're coming into a great summer here. You know, both you and I are, are, are really embarking on kind of a new experience yeah, this summer where we're, and, we're out on Lake Minnetonka and yeah. we're enjoying the scene out there. And I think we both enjoy that. And uh you, you know, well, you and I are kind of different stages of our lives, but we're, you know, you're starting to get into that divide and conquer, conquer uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. environment where you, with your two kids and all their activities, yep. and, and I'm just trying to get mine through college right now, <laughs> and, and and I'm seeing the end of the tunnel there. But overall, you know, life life is good. good. I mean, we've seen a lot of success here in our businesses here, and uh, yeah, so everything's good. I was at T-Ball last night, and let me tell you, Mike, <laughs> oh. that's a... That's a difficult hour for me, but who knows? They, yeah, they're having fun, yeah, though. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're from Minnesota, and, uh, you, you know, lacrosse isn't something that we really grew up with no. a lot of years. So, so, my, so when my kids would would participate, they, they played a little lacrosse, and I'm watching them, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is, I, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on here. But, uh, yeah, it's you're going to have a lot of fun in the next 10 or 12 years with your kids' activities, and, uh I'm going to have fun with uh, getting my kids through college. So, yeah. Cool. yeah well, uh, we're going to get a little round of applause here from Mr. Michael Binger. Mike, thanks for uh, joining us on the show hey, today. It's my, it's my pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you.